Episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on May the 5th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, lamenting the stupidity of our government. Uh, caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. We're going to be having a general discussion about spoiler culture. SimCity and The Sims movies are in the works. Jeff Keighley unveils four month all digital summer game fest starting in May. We're going to have Community Corner this week with an article submitted to us by Jim3535, the Rogue One, that Star Wars Rogue One writer launches a late night talk show inside of Animal Crossing. And finally, if we have time for it this week, we will be doing a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. Sweet. Job done. Show's over. Yep. Pack it up, people. We're going home. Yeah, this is a peak show. We're not going to top this. Nope. It's all down here from here, folks. Fucked up the intro real hard. (laughs) I'm going to blame that just on me being tired. It's been a long few days. What I didn't talk about on the pre show was that we had a a COVID scare here in my own home. Katie got sick. That's my wife for listeners out there who have never heard me mention her by name before. Got sick um, last late late last week, and she developed those their uh, flu like symptoms. And it's certainly not flu season anymore. So we talked to the doctor, and they're like, "Yeah, you should definitely get some testing for the COVIDs." And I went ahead and got tested too because you know I live with her. Really? Um, yeah. Or maybe she lives with me. I don't know which which one is worse for her. Living with Her, you. It, yes. You had to even ask that. <laughs> well, I didn't know quite how which one to say it would be worse. But anyway, so I also got testing for the COVIDs. And, and we're neither both of you have uh, my corona. No, neither of us have my corona. So <laughs> that's good. But it was, you know, obviously we went into like full lockdown mode. So I had the two children. That's the, the real ch- child and the furry child. And uh, my wife to care for for a few days. I wound up not working on Monday, but I kind of sort of worked a half a day today when we got the results earlier in the afternoon. So my brain is mush. I'm all over the place. But I'm here. Well, you can always go get tested again and have it you know, swapped up. That is not fun. It's not. It doesn't feel... Because a lot of people are like, oh yeah, it feels like you're getting your brain poked. And like maybe if they used a harder swabby thingy. Maybe like a Q-tip or something, but this was like a teeny tiny little like filament. I mean, it still felt weird. They shove it all the way up in your sinus cavity and wag it around, so it's it's uncomfortable. But it didn't feel like my brain was being scraped. Uh, no, it just tickled a little bit, right? Yeah, it made my eyes water for a long time, and then it's like you can't like you can't touch your face. Like I'm <laughs> wearing my mask, and they're like, "All right, pull it down so that it's just covering your mouth." So I did. And they shoved the thing up in my nose. And then I put my mask back on. Like, I, I need to rub my face. I need to scratch my eyes. I need to blow my nose. It's like you just have to sit there and kind of squint for a few minutes until your eyes stop watering. It was a terrible experience. I want to get antibody testing done, though. I, I've i seen reports pop up here and there. Because there was the one from France where they retwe- retested some samples they had from people from December. And... It, it was only one person, but, like, someone had tested positive for COVID in 
December in France. Yeah. So uh, that's the annoying thing is that my Facebook feed is full of people saying, well, I got real sick in December and, you know, I probably had this Corona, so I don't have to follow all this uh, social distancing bullshit. It's just wash your fucking filthy human hands, put on your goddamn mask and stay the fuck away. Preach, brother. Preach. But, I mean, in February, I did get very sick, and I tested negative for the flu, so my doctor was like, ah, it's probably just an upper respiratory infection. But I'm wondering if, like, it makes me think, like, did I actually have it? And, I mean, regardless of whether I did or not, I'm still, like, washing my hands and wearing my mask. I wish I lived in a better part of the country where people actually did that, because I've, I've had to go out a couple of times, and it's like, does no one wears a mask? It's like me. No, no, I see, wear a mask. Yeah, see, I well, getting a mask around here is a pain in the ass to begin with. So I've just been respecting the social distancing, only going out when absolutely necessary. Like, well, yesterday in my state, they lifted the stay-at-home order uh, and made it safer at home, basically encouraging but not mandating people uh, stay at home and uh, saying that you can only go out for essential require uh, essential errands and uh, adding uh, slowly opening up uh, things. Uh, the first week was daycare and uh, elective procedures at hospitals. This week, I believe it was uh, opening up the outdoor uh, seating at some restaurants uh, and a couple other things. Uh, but uh, because it was a pain to get them get the mask to begin with i just uh, decided to stay at home most of the time and even for grocery shopping just doing pickup instead of uh, you know actually going to the store well i went to the local dollar general to get some batteries because uh, i got my stimulus so i've been getting some goodies for the kitchen and need to get some batteries and there was this giant congregation of people in front of the Dollar General across the street. I'm just looking at them like, you fucking idiots. It's literally day one of Safer at Home. Literally day one. Now, I don't think that they there was more than 25 people there, which is the limiting factor on uh, uh, groups outside of hotspot counties. But guess what? I live in a hotspot county. Or at least yeah. did. I think they took us off the list because there's conflicting things there. It's just, ugh, it's stupid. It's so fucking stupid. We're going to see such a spike in a week or two. Yep, there'll definitely be a spike in a couple of weeks. I said earlier, and you were like, wow, you're optimistic or something like that. I, I said earlier, we'll be right back in the same boat we were a couple of weeks ago in a month. Uh, but I mean, you're, there will definitely be spikes in the next week or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm expecting, well... The incubation period is somewhere between a week and 10 days. Adding a couple days to, uh, you know, for people to go sneeze on one another or whatever, that puts us right at two weeks. Well, Tennessee started, because we had, we were supposed to have a two-week shelter-in-place order, but after a week, the governor started easing up some of those restrictions. And then Friday, it was, it basically... I mean, we're supposed to be doing safer at home and all that jazz, but there's no enforcement in Tennessee. Nobody listens. So basically last Friday when May 1st hit, it was like, you know, whenever the actual shelter in place executive order completely expired, it was pandemonium 
in a lot of places. Yeah, there. So. Yeah, well, there was protests saying that people want to get back to work. Blah blah blah. Just, <laughs> just the stupidity of it all. Okay, I yeah. understand. They want to get back to work. Fine. But there's also the balance of you know just the risk of it all. There's so many health complications. There's not a lot of great health care in my state. You want to risk it? Really? Yeah. I try to be understanding towards a certain subset of the population that genuinely is like... Oh, uh, because, I mean, we have no safety net in, in the United States in general. Some places have it better than others. But, I mean, we live in the South. We're fucked. We have no social safety net. So there's there's a, a decent, like, not insignificant amount of the population that it's like, if they don't work, they don't eat, they don't have health care, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I try to be as sympathetic towards those people as I possibly can. But there's also a huge subset of our, even in, in our state's population of, like, people who don't need it. People who are your, you know, your your stereotypical, like, you know, Karens and, you know, the people who are protesting the stay-at-home orders because I need my haircut. Oh the, well, I'm looking at the at the uh, Charleston Gazette Mail. This is what this is, so that I linked to you a while back. Uh, April 27th, protesters seek immediate reopening of state. And one, oh, well, first of all, no masks in sight. Everybody's right on top of one another. And there's one Einstein here saying, "I prefer uh, uh, holding up two signs. I prefer dangerous liberty." over peaceful uh, slavery uh, in the, pr- uh, the in the pandemic your lies have been exposed what lies right yeah I mean people that just watch Fox News all the time okay they're idiots I get it but damn right yeah I just I, I'm a therapist I'm a psychologist I, I and even I don't understand these people who are like the hardcore, like, oh, prepper people, like, I'm ready to stay at home for... Yeah, this is what they prepared for. This, this, it's like, this is their wet dream. Yeah, this is literally what you've prepared for. Why are you bitching that you can't leave your house to go get a haircut? And the thing is, is that I know, most people know, like, for most of the it's people, cosplay. it's not about that. Yeah, it's not about that. It's not about actually wanting to stay home and into the world or whatever. The actual people who want that to happen live in bunkers all the time. Not just when yeah, it's either cosplay or they don't like that the government's telling them to stay there. Never mind the fact mm-hmm. that they voted this government into place, uh, most likely. You have balance of probability, right? Yeah. It's they just- want to have their cake and fuck it too, as Jim Sterling says. <laughs> I love that phrase. I've replaced that in every place I possibly can. But yeah, it's just, where the fuck? What the fuck, right? Yeah. So, uh, do you have anything else to mention before we get on to games? No. No. Okay, well, continuing on the what the fuck, let's go on to the game I played. Uh, I've actually played this over the course of a couple, of a couple of weeks because I de- uh, it was all hands on deck to get uh, Fault Milestone 2 down, uh, done, or I should say the first part of it done. So I played this some last weekend and some this weekend. Deliver Us the Moon. What the fuck? Yeah, I still haven't played this. I didn't okay, th- this was on Game Pass, so I didn't buy this, uh, and it's twenty five dollars on Steam. Not worth it. It well, okay. Uh, he- here's what kind of took me out to begin of it begin with. All right, all science fiction requires a certain amount of suspension of disbelief. Fair enough, right? Yep. Well, 
The suspension of disbelief was so far removed that I just, I couldn't. I couldn't. So the idea of Deliverance of the Moon is you are Blandy McNoface protagonist who is a member of this group that a, a daughter of a scientist that runs the facility essentially the power plant on the moon that beams power to the earth to using hot helium three because the earth done got used up uh the station's gone dark they're no longer sending power and because there's no resources on the earth and i guess they can't figure out how to run a fucking generator or there's no such thing as solar panels or anything uh, you, you've seen that uh, meme, uh, the old guy holding up his hands and said, I guess we'll die, or I guess I'll die? Yeah. That's literally that. the Earth's population. That's just my suspension to disbelief to the breaking point already. Alright? And that's mm-hmm. even before, that's the opening cutscene. Alright? That's the opening cutscene. That's even before they're talking about, oh yeah, we're going to... Uh, You've been trained for this mission, but here, I'll explain to you the entire history of this project. Like you just got bonked on the head and we're shoving you into a rocket with amnesia, right? Right. It's just, it was already, you know, it was stepping off on the wrong foot. Now, this is a narrative adventure, all right? So, essentially walking simulator, conda, but with some puzzles thrown in. Now, there are some interesting stuff. elements in it in the I guess couple hours I played it like three or four hours uh, but it's all timed puzzles or I shouldn't say all it's a good part of it is timed puzzles and trying to force this feeling of urgency whenever there's just it just felt boring 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 for a thriller it just ugh, right so anyway, 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 uh, Blandy McBland face uh, uh, gets in his rocket and blasts off, and uh, you have to solve a series of essentially switches and uh, be able to uh, ma- manipulate all the controls. And it's just—it it feels like a game almost built for VR. You know how uh, experience-based VR it has a certain kind of gimmicky feel to it. From uh, everything I've seen, you know, mm-hmm. this feels like that, where it feels like there's this, you know, oh, you could manipulate switches uh, on uh, your spacecraft, just like a real spacecraft. And you have to, you know, constantly look at, at the poster on the wall for the <laughs> checklist of, you know, what to press next. So it just already was feeling gimmicky and was stretch and was my, you know, stressing things to the breaking point, but... Also, I just kept running into invisible walls or, you know, or impediments to my uh, exploration that just made no sense to me. Like, this guy's spacesuit is worse than the one in Astroneer, all right? It, is, it has, like, a slow leak in it or something, and you have to constantly grab oxygen canisters that's, for some reason, strewn across this uh, space station, right? So you're always out of oxygen, basically? If you're in an area that uh, has no oxygen, you're always, like, three minutes from suffocation. If that timer hits zero, immediate death, you know? 
So there's not even like a suffocation nope. or a... No, it's... Okay. No, one time I got turned around because once you get onto the space station, essentially once you... Okay. Uh, the game is broken up to three major areas. Admittedly, I didn't finish it and I'll get to why later on. Uh, there's the ground portion uh, before you get into the rocket and you're... It's fairly short and there's a portion where... Oh yeah, there's this giant jet door coming if we... Uh, don't launch now. The rocket will be destroyed. Surely be destroyed. So we gotta launch down. Yeah, gotta hurry. Gotta hurry. Never mind the fact that you know rockets don't really work like that. But still, uh, then uh, there's the space station. So essentially, there's this gateway station on a space uh, on a space elevator that's tethered to the power station on the moon, and that's gone dark as well. And Everything just feels like it's very, well, it is very after the fact. It feels like there's no real suspense of uh, finding something because there's been this decade-long delay between the station going dark, this power station that's supplying power to 20% of the world's population, everybody essentially giving up, and just like, yeah, well, this is it. Night, everybody. And the uh, events going on in the game. And it's just that, you know, uh, that disconnect that really hurt it from the very beginning. And then you start hitting all the uh, roadblocks to exploration in general, where keep hitting invisible walls. All there's, uh, I have to go over there, but I have to, you know, solve this. Uh, uh, okay, well, late in where I played, you essentially get a robotic sidekick that you can see on the icon for the uh, game on Steam. This a little floating volleyball, and in order to repair it, you have to find three random pieces of uh, junk and a room full of random junk. And I think part of the reason why I just got so frustrated with the game was that it, for a good portion of the game that game time I played, you have to navigate in three D space, which is already troublesome in a video game. All right. And the interact range for uh, well, interactables is very, very short. It's essentially arm's reach. So it just was incredibly frustrating to be able to figure out, okay, well, where do I find the key code for this locked door that I know I have to go through? So I go through all the <laughs> crew quarters to find the one post-it note on someone's screen that says, oh yeah, by the way... uh it's time for the security update. We changed the uh, code to 1112 or something, right? Okay. So that was, you know, I've strained my concern uh, of disbelief. I'm getting frustrated at the gameplay. I finally get the floating volleyball, and then they start introducing stealth elements. And that's when I noped out. Why are there stealth elements? Essentially, evil volleyballs are, fl- are going around the power station because who knows why. And they're murdering people. or see. And they were left on for a decade. So if they spot you, you're dead. It's just, no, I don't, I don't care about this enough. So I went to look at the reviews. It's like, okay, is there something here I'm missing? And then they mentioned that the it ends on a cliffhanger and it's going to have post-launch DLC. And just, no, not worth my time. Nope. I see. Well, maybe it's a good thing that I, never, that I didn't get around to playing this. 
because it doesn't sound good. Because I think last week you were just like, yeah, I started playing it. I didn't really like it all that much. It's got some problems. And yeah. then I was kind of where yeah, I left it, it. Yeah, it just got it got worse. When I talked to you, I was part of the way through the space station. Uh, and where the invisible walls really hampered me was, okay, so for some reason, part of the space station that's tethered to the space elevator blows up. All right? Mm-hmm. Uh in order to power up the space elevator, you have to uh, take the life support offline and that depressurize something and one entire wing of the space station just goes, nope, I'm out, and it chatters. And you get flung out into space and with like 10 seconds of oxygen. So, you know, you go through the cutscene, never mind how much oxygen you had before that because, you know, that doesn't matter. Uh, they, you go through the cutscene, you uh, after you know, going like a few hundred yards off the space station, uh, you finally hit a piece of debris that allows you to arrest your movement somehow because it doesn't work like that. But anyway, you have this long sequence of essentially using your uh, jetpack because yeah, this is a, you know, a sci-fi game about space, so of course you have a personal jetpack that has unlimited fuel. But they. Well, maybe that's why your know, oxygen sucks. They took all the room for the life support and put jet fuel in it, right? <laughs> yes, that makes perfect sense, actually. Anyway, right. anyway you go through this long, uh, essentially, chase sequence to get back into the space station and have to pick up oxygen canisters along, canisters along the way. And I kept hitting invisible walls. You know, this wide, in, expansive space. And I'm banging up against an invisible wall like I'm a fucking mosquito trying to get it through a window. And it just, uh, it became not a thrill, but more of an absolute annoyance because of it. And there were several times that they would tease you like, oh, here's this uh, chest full of, uh, you know, uh, like three or four oxygen containers. Well, no, uh, that uh, that's part of the space station. It's just going to blow up and you know, that chest is going to fly beyond the invisible wall. You can have that. And one time I actually got into the space station, I got turned around and couldn't figure out, okay, well, what do you want me to do next? It doesn't give you a uh, indication of what to do. It, 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 this game feels like it just needed some time with playtesters that haven't yeah, been in, involved with the actual creation of the game. You know that uh, that science experiment whenever you're in elementary school where you're told to I set out a series of instructions for something. Mm-hmm. It feels like that where you imply something, but someone that doesn't know what you're implying, it just doesn't make sense. You know, of course it uh, makes sense to them to, they know exactly where all the key codes are for the next doors, but for someone uh, going around, they, the locked doors look pretty similar to the doors that you can't interact with at all. So, you know, it's easy to bypass them and, you know, spend the next 15 minutes going through a wing of a space station. Like, okay, what the fuck am I supposed to do next? There's just a, it needs a lot of polish. And the fact that post-launch DLC, which I'm honestly, I'm not even sure is even out just for a cliffhanger ending. Just, ugh, right. Yeah. Trying to milk it for what they can. Yeah. I mean, they did say that the post-launch DLC was going to be free. But, yeah. It's just... And at least according to the... Tr- uh, or from the GIFs, 
It just looks like it's just a very, very... It, it almost feels like it's just hacked him out uh, for, uh, their, for Unreal being able to do uh, uh, space games. Mm-hmm. And just not a very good one. Because, ugh. Which is disappointing, because I wanted this to be actually a lot better than what it was. I just got incredibly frustrated with it. And I'm just trying yeah. to see if they ever release the DLC, so figure steam would probably be a good place to look so news doesn't look like it uh hang on nope doesn't look like it unless uh it's buried in patch notes somewhere <sighs> so yeah i would say it's a hard pass unless you're wanting to play it on game pass because it's definitely not worth the 25 bucks gotcha yep then i probably i'm i probably don't even play it now probably just uninstall it it sounds not fun uh, if okay. you don't, if you don't mind the uh, the walking sim genre, it's not terrible. It's just it feels like it wants to be a walking sim, but then they add in a bunch of random uh, puzzles on top of it. And their idea of making something a thriller is, oh, we'll just put time puzzles everywhere, and the checkpoints sometimes pretty far apart. See, the thing about a walking simulator, regardless of whether or not it has puzzles, is that there shouldn't be some kind of ticking clock on you. Walking simulators, you should be able to take at your own pace and explore or interact with in a calm manner. There are and the fact that there's a timer that kills you so frequently with the lack of oxygen. Well, well, uh, well okay, okay. So let's see. The first timer is the dust storm. Then there's multiple timers during the rocket launch because you have to hit everything correctly. And if you mess up a couple of times, uh, you don't have enough time to, uh, well, to really be able to do more than like one or two failures on each uh, of the interactions. And I'm not sure if it uh, resets you to the entire launch sequence or not. So then you have, uh, then you get to the station and you're limited on the amount of oxygen that you have. So you have to figure out how to turn on the life support system. That is a big area with a timer of uh, three minutes maximum. Then you have this long lull of uh, uh, some expiration. But honestly, it it feels like a walking simulator in a corridor. Everything is barred off and it's very linear. There's this one way that you could do everything. And there's supposed to be a lot of collectibles, but everything feels like it's just on the same path. Yeah, it's just... Did you wander close enough to it to get the interaction? Which, like I said, is arm's length. Right. And in the uh, beginning of the space station, before you uh, essentially get the gravity going, which is, you know, right at the end of the sequence, uh, you know, getting the place rotating again, uh, it honestly doesn't feel like you're controlling a human. The uh, Whenever you get the volleyball, whenever you get Wilson, uh, whenever you get Wilson... And control it from first person, it feels exactly the same. There's the maybe that's part of the reason why I feel off is that it always feels like you're running on a jetpack, even inside. Whenever you should be, you know, going by handholds and something. Uh, that's uh, why I kind of like that one cosmonaut game uh, that we had at the uh, uh, that demos. Remember the demos I talked about uh, a while back? Yeah. While that felt uh, compelling, even though it was annoying at times, uh, was that it felt a lot weightier. 
or maybe that's part of the reason why I dislike this was that the uh, space station it felt like it wasn't built like some by somebody that understands space or uh, real science. It feels very open because if you look at space stations, real space stations, they use every bit of the area that they can. You know, uh, everything feels almost submarine-like. But there's also handholds for everything. Now, to be fair, they do say that they're essentially spinning the space station to create artificial gravity. But the space station isn't built for that. <laughs> That's the thing, right? There's just so many... It's it's sort of like uh, that one sequence in Armageddon where they talk about spinning Mir to create artificial gravity. When Mir isn't built like that. Yeah. No. It's this as well. Where... Uh, all, everything is okay. If you're spinning around a central point, creating artificial gravity, where would the gravity be? It, it would be going radiating essentially out from outward from that point via the centrifugal force, correct? Yep, it would be on the walls of a standard room. Well, at least from what I could tell, it was like it's just okay. They turned on the gravity plating on Star Trek, and everything uh, sinks to the floor. Awesome. Maybe that's, that's what, what bugged me so much was that I understand enough of the science behind it that it's like, I, I can't turn my brain off for this. Like you're, you're telling me the entire world population couldn't try to salvage a, or to scrounge together a rocket. Never mind the fact that the, you know, you're not putting these people up there and they're living there you know, for the rest of their lives. People are going there. There's relief crews. There's going to be rockets somewhere, somehow. You can put a rescue mission together within a decade, especially if 20% of the world's fucking population relies on this one power station. Never mind the fact that when you get there, uh, uh, spoilers, which we'll get to, yeah, spoiler culture in a little bit. Uh, one of the scientists is tinkering around with the uh, uh, reactor. They're trying to get 100% and they drag her off for reasons. Who knows? Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it feels like, it feels like a Michael Bay film without any of the excitement. So just no substance. I said, I'm, Michael uh, Bay films are all flash and no substance, but if you've got no flash, then it's just no yep, substance. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, it just kind of dawned on me that this is like me watching Transformers and I give zero shits about Transformers. I see. So a ringing endorsement then. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Awesome. And, well, the only game... And, oh. and here you go. Have a link. Enjoy. <laughs> no, I'm good. Um, also, the starter packs don't work with a... Oh. I continue, we're with an active account. Oh. I was just able to add it to my Steam account, so... I never... Uh, oh, is start- it free? Yeah. Oh, okay. It says four ninety nine on this. Are they just giving it away, though? Yeah. Actually, I probably already have the starter pack. Uh, this is a new one. Oh, okay. Sure, why not? <laughs> add to account. Um... Alright, so the only game that I've played that I can talk about, because I've started Game Club, and then I started playing the net, one of the next, one of the future Game Club games, just to try it out. So, I can't talk about those. But, um, I did play a game called Star's End, uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, before we did our last Franken episode. Um, and then we didn't do games last week when we did, uh, Game Club. So it's been, between two and three weeks since I played this game. 
Um, Star's End is a indie, very tiny indie team developing a um, persistent MMO, like space MMO, um, that feels like it's one of those like inspired by a Firefly type things. You play as a, the character you create is a, a colonist who's being woken up, like a second wave colonist. You're being woken up out of stasis and dropped into this fairly undeveloped solar system and being told like, hey, it's like the Wild West out there. You got to fight to survive, but you know, you can build your own settlement. You can do all this stuff. Um, go wild. And there's like a, there's, there's a training set of missions that takes, I don't know, an hour to an hour and a half to complete that basically teaches you how to play the game, gives you some basic resources and then sets you loose. You can play it single player and you also can create your own private server, but the game is very clearly geared towards having a pretty big active multiplayer presence on the official servers I'm worried it's not going to get there. Uh, pretty hardcore worried it's not going to get there. Um, it's it's a fine enough game. It's really janky. Like, graphics aside, it's pretty janky. Um, with, like, kind of obvious, like, terrain collisions and things that control weirdly. AI that's kind of dumb at the best of times. But it's got a charm to it. It's just got a... I don't know. Just the right amount of stuff that I like, like an open world space game that's all about crafting and survival mechanics and there you, you can get your spaceship and you can go and you can explore, there's like a half a dozen planets and a couple of asteroid fields and you know, you can mine stuff and you can go fight the giant space bugs that look very reminiscent of stuff from Starship Troopers. Um, you can also get your horse and you can ride from the starport out to the saloon town in, you know, in the desert on the planet and just do all kinds of stuff like that. Like it's very charming. Um, despite the fact that it, it looks janky and it feels janky. Um, but I, so, so I played through that tutorial, um, got my basic gear, got like a jetpack. Speaking of jetpacks, got a jetpack, got my, uh, crossbow and my pistol my laser pistol and a bunch of food and started hiking out across the desert. Um, built a little settlement, um, of like the basic stuff, like a basic house with all the basic, like crafting table and everything like that. And I did choose to play single player. Apparently it's got some like PVP safe zones, but for the most part, like once you get out of the starter areas, it's like wide open PVP. And I ain't got, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Um, so I played single player and this is where like, and this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm pretty sure this is directed having large groups of people creating essentially their own settlements and factions and things like that to settle and colonize areas because it, it does something I haven't seen in games in forever where you've got active timers where you have to log in to, and check on your stuff. Otherwise it despawns like your base your buildings in your base are there for forever, and when you're logged out, everything within sort of your safe settlement zone that you create can't be attacked in PvP. But anything that you build outside of, like, the green ring in the settlement area, or if you just build it in the world, is subject to being destroyed um, at will by players when you're not there. And all of your vehicles and your animals and things like that have got a timer on them once they're in the world. 
and it's like 48 hours but if nobody from you from your faction like you can create your own clans and stuff like that like if nobody from your clan comes and like interacts with the thing it despawns and then it's just gone um so that sucks Um, that's pretty hardcore i don't like that and i'm hoping this game is an early access it like you know quote released into early access last october um i've actually had this for a while i got a review key for it back in i think january and just haven't got around to playing it i'm hoping at some point if you create a private server or if you play um offline you can have some control over stuff like that because there's there's no options for whenever you play solo or create your own server to um adjust any of the world options but it would be nice to be able to turn that stuff off and change a few other things like there's you know there's weight restrictions it's an mmo so you have to get a backpack and get you know packs and storage and all this stuff to carry everything around and again it's you know intended for like hey jim and bob let's go uh mine some metal tonight and bring it back to the base and refine it and you go out and everybody's got like their pack or whatever so um you make less trips and all that jazz thankfully everything has a storage capacity so i don't know where it goes i assume you just like shove it up your horse's ass but it's well, got a storage capacity the bare asses. <laughs> but i just i like that like you know, like, when you're doing the tutorial, it drops you down on this, like, jungle planet, and it's like, hey, go clear out, one of the things you gotta do is like, hey, go clear out the bugs that have overrun the spaceport, um, I'll give you some transport, and you're like, okay, sweet, like, I've been flying spaceships around this whole time, you know, they'll give me, like, a speeder or something, and it's like, nope, here's a horse and a, a bow and arrow. Well, that's all the go assets wild. they were able to buy. They, they couldn't but, afford uh, the sapphire asset pack. <laughs> oh. But they could. There's a lot of spaceships in here. Um, some some decent ones too. I mean, the the spaceship models and everything are decent. Um, you know, they look like from they're from like the mid to late 2000s, but they're decent. Um, you get to fly a spaceship in the tutorial. You know, you you ride your horse out to the spaceport on the jungle planet. You kill all the bugs that have overrun it. You take the spaceship and you fly it back to some other planet. It's got like the desert on it. And that that completes the tutorial. Landing the spaceship is fucking hard. I crashed it, but you know any landing you can wake, walk away from is a good landing, I guess. Because I crashed the spaceship, I blew up the landing gear, so I didn't know what I was doing. And I got off the spaceship and I talked to the guy, and he's like, "Great, you flew it over here, and it looks like it's in good condition." And I'm like, "That's totally scripted. You didn't notice that I blew up the spaceship, did you? Because it's not in your script." Or or, or maybe yo, it was already a piece of shit, and he's surprised he got it. You got it that far, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fun, charming game that I was really surprised. Like, you know, I'm, I'll I'll try out anything that's sci-fi or space related, pretty much. Well, um, except for Deliverance the Moon. Now it seems. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you've told me I don't have to. But um, anyways, you know, I'll, I'll try out just about anything. And honestly, it looked kind of shitty. And in a lot of ways, I guess it is. But it's it's very charming. And I, I liked it a lot. Um, it, everything that you can see on the store page, it looks like, like on their little GIFs and everything that's playing, is in first person. I played the entire thing in third person. I don't know why you'd play this in first person. But, yeah. I don't know. It looks like there's a wider world there that I want to explore, but I'm going to wait until it goes through a couple of more major updates. 
and just see if they get some of the jankiness worked out of it. And, um, if it, uh, if they give some more options to single player or private servers. I mean, right now it's 15 bucks. I think you'd really have to be into this kind of stuff to pay $15 for this. But if you got it on a good deal for like, you know, five to 10 bucks, I think it's worth that. I mean, who knows if enough people got it, might could create a little, little server for ourselves and explore this solar system. I don't know. But yeah, that's the only game I played this week, which I can openly discuss. Um, I'd, like I said, I started playing the next game club game, Yakuza. Like, I launched it and did a couple of things. Yeah, the um, opening for that game takes a while, doesn't it? Yeah. And then I started playing... Where's the, the list? Doo, doo, doo. I don't remember what month we set it for. It was one of the ones that I suggested, and you were like, no, we should do that in a couple of months. Uh, July, the game for July. I played through the first oh, right. chapter of that. Yeah, I'm. Which yeah, I'm gonna hold off on getting uh, into that one. It's good. I like it. Well, it's still but, telling me. Uh, oh yeah, uh, your video card. Uh, we don't like that, so I don't want right. to dive into it. Besides, right. we have another game, a big game before that. That's true. I couldn't help myself though. I was getting frustrated at XCOM, and I was like, I want to try out this, and well, so I did. Well, I did start setting up uh, September though. Got a, September and got a couple DLCs uh, for oh, that. Right, right, right. Okie dokie. So that does it for the games we I, played. I, I love that we're just going by months right now instead of t- saying the actual games. Well, I mean that's a nice lead-in to our general topic today, which is a discussion about spoiler culture. Dude, we spoilers. Wanna, we don't want to spoil the dear listeners on what games we're playing that we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I, there's. Some stuff in the in gaming news about spoilers related specifically to the Final Fantasy VII remake and to the Last of Us Two, which had pretty much the entire game leaked, um, and that's an ongoing developing story. We might talk in depth about that specifically in another week or two. But I had a I got into a conversation with someone on Twitter. This is just like a random person. I have no idea who they are, but I had responded to a tweet that was like. Hey, talk about, or, you know, what are some of the moments that you've had in gaming that are like, you know, you're like, wow, you know, oh shit kind of moments that couldn't have been, you know, that that only came about because it was gaming, you know, because it was an interactive medium. Well, uh, a recent one would be our last game club, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and, and, you know, people were naming off stuff and I listed mine and I, I said a few, I said like no Russian from Modern Warfare 2. And um, Mass Effect, there's one thing in particular where you have to choose, like, do you want to kill a bunch of these people or basically forcibly um, conscript them? Mm-hmm. Or, no, break, you brainwash them. It, it's like the, it's in Mass Effect 2, it's with the Geth, they're one of the side missions. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking for about. For Legion. And it's like you either can brainwash the, the Geth or you can blow them up. Um, and then I, I also said, um, KOTOR, that's Knights of the Old Republic, where you find out, like, at the tail end of the game that this entire time you've been Revan, which is, like, huge, like, what? Like, massive sort of, moment. like, um, like the Sixth Sense when um, Bruce Willis finds out that he's been dead the whole time. Dude, spoilers. And that's, that's the thing, like, <laughs> and this dude was like, well, you shouldn't spoil that stuff, and I'm like, how can I have a conversation about these types of moments without discussing spoilers? And it, it went back and forth a little bit, and then I just kind of turned into a prick, and, like, he would say something, and, like, very spoilery. Like, he was like, so in Final Fantasy VII, you know, that moment with Sephiroth, 
And I'm like, oh yeah, where he kills Aerith. <laughs> and so there was a little bit of back and forth about this. And honestly, I've thought about this way more than I probably should. But spoiler culture is this interesting thing that has developed, I feel like, a lot in the last couple of years. Like, I get the idea of, like, oh, you know, we should preserve spoilers. Like, that's probably always existed. But I think the internet, social media, Twitter, Facebook, has made it into this big deal. And I I get into little arguments with people about this probably more often than I should. But I really don't... So it's not that I don't believe in the idea of spoilers. Like, you can totally spoil something for somebody. Yeah, especially if something is brand new. Like, uh, the uh, Last of Us 2 spoilers that's been going around. Uh, supposedly, I admit, I haven't dove into them. But from uh, what I've uh, seen, it's basically spoiling the entire game because somebody hacked their servers. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the idea of spoilers is, like, there there comes a certain point... Which I think is a lot sooner than 20 fucking years after something comes out. Sorry, I'm still a little bitter about that conversation really? with a random person on Twitter. I, I, I didn't pick up on that one. But there there comes a point where it's not on me to protect you from spoilers. It's on you to protect you from spoilers. Like, definitely the first few weeks after something releases. And then after that, I think maybe it's a little, becomes a little bit more hazy. I'm totally willing to give somebody six months. Like, I think it really depends also on what we're talking about because, uh, for a big AAA thing, I do think that especially since games are kind of fucking expensive, uh, there should be a little bit more leadway, especially since honestly, it just feels so much like uh, a sucker's bet to buy something on release these days. Even something on Game Pass, uh, we were looking at doing a game that just released twice now and have balked at it uh, just because of uh, patching and uh, possible technical issues. Because games are uh, just shoved out the door and patched later these days. So I kind of understand you know, not wanting something spoiled too soon, but you're right, 20 years is a bit long. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 easily willing to do 6 months for like movies and TV and stuff and then probably a year for most <laughs> other things. But at that point, like I mean if someone is like could you please not discuss this? I don't want to don't I haven't seen it. I don't want you to spoil it for me. I can respect that. Like I'm not I can be an asshole, but if someone like is very polite and asks me nicely to not do something, then I'm, you know, I can respect that. But like on Twitter, you know, 20 years after the fact, or even, like, a, just a few years after the fact. If I mention something, it's on. It's not on me. It's on you to avoid that. But, I mean, that has led to discussion about, like, what does count as a spoiler? What doesn't count as a spoiler? And, you know, what's, what's you know, too much, too far, etc. So... I would say I that mean, I, anything that's in popular culture at this point, like uh, the uh, Knights of the Old Republic uh, twist... Uh, really can't count as a spoiler these days. It's sort of like the Arthas moment in Warcraft 3. Assuming that they didn't change that in the shitty Reforged version. Uh, where, you know, you go murdering people. You know? Uh, time right. time to get yeah. murdering. You know, that big twist right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, you start to see him going down a very dark path. Well, for and then for Final Fantasy 7, there's been a huge conversation that's come up around that. And I do think that... that we should put a spoiler tag here because 
there and there are some different things, some things that are different in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and that itself might be a spoiler. Yeah. I don't know, and I don't, I'm not gonna, like, split hairs about that. Like, we will be talking about some sensitive stuff here for the next little bit, I assume, so. But, I mean, in Final Fantasy VII, I, I haven't played the remake, I probably won't. Not because I think there's anything wrong with it, but, I mean, it's currently a PS4 exclusive. I don't have a PlayStation. Well, well so. it is going to be on PC eventually, but the thing is that uh, it's the first part of a game series that they don't even know how many parts there's going to be. So, and they're only in pre-production of the second part. They, It sounds like they weren't even as far as I was expecting for the second part, assuming you know, it actually happens, right? But yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, the, there's some stuff that's different. Quite a bit of stuff that apparently is going to go different. The game essentially is about there are there are okay. So it's not the game decision about there are these things that come up, these little like energy balls, and they become other stuff in the game. But essentially, they're trying to stop events in the game from playing out differently than they originally did in Final Fantasy VII. And the game ends with you like defeating them so that you can now have your own adventure that's different from classic final fantasy 7 yeah but then which uh, i think but, is brilliant yeah but then the, the director saying oh no we're not going to be changing the story all that much so what the fu- what's the fucking point because i just saw that pop up in the last you know uh this news sweep and since i didn't know we were going to be talking about final fantasy i didn't put it on the show notes i hadn't i hadn't heard that yeah what what you just said i hadn't heard that so I guess that was really recent then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just keep, uh, keep on out. I'm hunting for it now. F- another thing about spoilers is I think fundamentally, I don't think having something spoiled, quote unquote spoiled for you, actually ruins the experience. It changes the experience for sure. And, and maybe this is, and, I, and I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm smarter than you or or you know you in general uh the royal you but typically i don't i don't get caught off guard by things that are supposed to be twists i don't know if that has to do with the way in which i consume media and sort of the way that i kind of study like camera angles or or listen these you know not camera angles but study cinematography kind of you know on an amateur level i've mentioned that before or listen to podcasts about like film and storytelling and all of this and it's like oh okay well this is like a three beat this is like the first part and this is going to come back a couple of times or you know this is that kind of trope or this is this type of expression or whatever like i usually figure stuff out in tv shows and in movies it it drives my wife nuts because we'll watch you know be watching something and it'll be like all right predictions and i'm like well this 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 and this and then they all turn out to be true and she's like how do you do that and i'm like i don't know i just have no life i guess i study this stuff but for me i i like knowing stuff cuz i then i can look for how it's cre- like being developed and created along the way i think for me it really depends on the type of story we're dealing with because if we're talking like some sort of mystery or yeah detective story knowing the ending uh, or watching it again uh, allows me to you know see the foreshadowing uh, a little bit better or see okay this is where uh, this character picked up this piece this piece and this piece to be able to piece it together but for a drama i find it uh, more annoying for spoilers uh yeah uh, knowing the ending sometimes doesn't make the journey worthwhile you know mm-hmm. 
Well, That's fair. I'll just uh, link to you. Uh, this is from uh, last week, uh, Tuesday. Uh, the rest of Final Fantasy VII Remake won't drastically change the story. So there you go, right? Then why? <laughs> why even redo it? Why do it? <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I have sort of reached this point in the last year or so. We haven't really talked about remakes or remasters in a bit, I don't think. But I've sort of reached this point in the last year or so that even if I know I would like something because it's a remake or a remaster of something that I enjoyed previously, I don't want it made anymore because I want new stories. I want new and interesting stories or different, or even if you want them to be in a in a, a universe that I already enjoy, just like make them different in some way. Take new angles on them. Like, do new stuff. Don't just redo the old stuff. I feel that way about movies. I feel that way about video games. Yeah, but there's those original stories uh, in Hollywood these days. I know. Uh, I think it really, once again, depends on what we're talking about here. Because Final Fantasy VII, it's uh, perfectly playable. It looks jank as hell, but it's playable. But looking at older stuff or stuff for PC that's harder to get these days... I really have no problem with uh, having a remake or ha- having a polish on it. My problem is whenever they change stuff for changing stuff's sake. Well, let's pick one almost at random. How about Warcraft 3? The fact that they went in and changed some of the difficulty of the levels. They changed uh, the layout of some of the levels. So that it just There's no reason to do that. If you're going to give it a polish, just polish the gameplay or polish the actual graphics and do maybe the cinematic uh, cutscenes that you were talking about, and not just you know, go in and change the gameplay and how it flows, because whatever reason. Or if you're going to, have it optional, right? Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing, is that a lot of these remakes are there for money generation for other projects. They're there as a somewhat easy thing for uh, their artist to work on while they're working on another project that doesn't need uh, the artist. They're there to generate revenue on another project. So it's harder for me to write off remakes completely, write off uh, these uh, remasters completely. At the same time, it does get a little tiresome. It does uh, get a bit old. But the thing is also some of these remakes... Whatever they're remaking them, they bring them to do uh, platforms. Like the, well, let's pick once again, almost at random, the Yakuza series. Discounting the couple of the newest entries in the series, if uh, the rumors for that pan out, only way we get the remakes or get the new ones or uh, get the old ones, sorry, as remakes as uh, new entries in the series. You know what I'm saying? As they go through yeah. and uh, remaster the series, they're bringing them to new platforms, which sucks a bit if you're on a console because you could still go back and play the old ones. But for us, it's you know, kind of the only way we could do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to say that like my way is the only way, but I just have kind of hit this point where I'm like, you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice some of that to get new stories. You know, and, and like, yes, I, I hear you 100%, but what there's two options to get some of these things, either emulation, 
if it's a title that can be emulated. I know that that could be hit or miss depending on the original platform and all that jazz, like, for sure. Two, though, a lot of this hardware is still in good working order. Eventually, that won't be an option, you know, in another decade, maybe, Mm -hmm. or so. But for now, if you really want to experience these old titles, you can get the hardware, an an original Xbox or PlayStation or PlayStation 2 or whatever, um, or PlayStation 3, and and play them. So they, they still are available without needing to be remastered, remade, re-released, re-released, whatever. So I just, I just want new stories. Yeah. I, I'm more, and more I, and original I ideas. And I'm not blaming you or saying that you're wrong in wanting that either. I have uh, no problem with you wanting new stuff. I just uh, also, uh, you know, kind of see sort of the balance between things. Yeah. But we're completely off track from spoiler culture. <laughs> we are. Spoiler culture is dumb. People get way too worked up about it. And I think, I mean, there's always going to be assholes. Mm-hmm. And the people who are assholes about it, fuck them. Yeah. But yeah, after... It, yeah, I think that's kind of what's uh, really gotten spoiler culture. It's just, you know, people going online and talking about, uh, you know, Snape killing Dumbledore, right? Yeah. That's the big one that I, the first big one I remember. Or at least being online, but that sort of thing where people go on there and troll and try to get a rise out of people and spoiling things that people are excited for is an easy way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, spoiler culture. Dude, spoilers. I'm, I'm raising my right fist and shaking it angrily. <laughs> All right. Uh, about first... getting off uh, your lawn. That's right. Get off my lawn. On to our first news article of the show, though. Uh, SimCity and The Sims movies in the works. Yeah, just, what the fuck? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't exactly know how these are going to work. I mean, in in the article, um, they say, I'll I'll just read it. Supposedly, The SimCity movie will be a comedic version of a Roland Emmerich-esque disaster movie set inside the world of SimCity. And then details for The Sims yeah, are but, rather yeah, more but, scarce. Yeah, but they say first-time scrub. That doesn't inspire confidence, does it? Right? I don't... Maybe. I don't know. I mean, screenwriters have, you know, all come from somewhere. It's interesting to hear him said his first-time scribe. Yeah. It just... What happens if I Google this person? You get a lot of uh, Instagram pictures. Uh, Instagram pretty boys. Well, I mean... All right, sure. Mike Michael Rosillo. Yeah, which it looks like he's a YouTuber, maybe. Unless this is somebody else with the same name. Yeah, which, which is possible. Which, uh, just looking at his channel, it's about uh, you know, the YouTubiest of YouTube channels ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty much every single you know thing I find annoying about YouTube or popular YouTubers. Oh my god! <laughs> I missed that this, this is when even. I... Uh, yeah, the right person. Yeah, I am. Um, I just was reading. Spam, right. Uh, I'm, yeah, I find nothing on this guy, and as a matter of fact, it gives me a not a spelling correct, right? Yeah. So I just was reading more about The Sims. The it's it's me. <laughs> the lead character Katie is a Hello? funny hot mess. While so, can you hear me? Oh shit! I had accidentally muted myself. Oh. I'll, I was wondering if uh, you uh, had uh, dropped off or 
I'd gone down the YouTube rabbit hole on this guy. Nope, I had accidentally muted myself, so my y'all have to fix that there. It'll be fine. Um, because I'm talking and talking and talking, and all of a sudden, hello. <laughs> well, shit. Um, yes, everything that you said, because I also googled him, and nothing. I mean, I got the same person, the YouTuber, but it could be just a different person with the same name. But I was reading a little farther on The Sims, and it's it's me. It's it's my life. The lead character, Katie, as a funny hot mess, while supporting character Cliff is described as cute nerd. Other characters include MMA performer Rick, Katie's assistant Cora, and a womanizer, Jared. <laughs> it's me! I'm in The Sims! Well, I was, I was going to say, uh, cute but nerdy. Nope. I, um, I trimmed my beard today. I'm very cute. You can't tell me otherwise. I won't listen. Right. I reject your reality and insert my own. Thank you, Adam Savage. But yeah, I I kind of get the first one, like Sim City, being like a disaster movie type thing. I, I was going to say mean, it's Sim- certainly not the point like, of Sim City, y- but you don't even have to insert a disaster movie. Sim City is a disaster if you go to the last couple iterations of the that uh, franchise. Touche. But, I mean, I could see that working, and they just do, like, a whole, like, it would be funny if it was, like, a, a human city, but they played on the whole simulation angle, like, oh, we live in a simulation, and the aliens are running the simulation and doing experiments on us. I think I could see that being funny with, like, the right supporting cast, um, and maybe, like, it's the citizens in the city, and they see, the dis- like, the disasters over and over and over again, and, like, they are self-aware of it. I could see that being funny, but I for the Sims, I don't know. There's, I mean, that's rom coms. Every rom com could be the Sims, and someone's just like fucking with their Sims. Or so. Well, um, maybe uh, we'll have a scene where someone gets uh, encased in the wall in this little one by room, uh, one by one room, and starve to death. <laughs> they go for a swim, and someone comes by and removes the ladder, and it's like, well, guess I'll die. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, video game movies are all of the concepts we hear for them are weird. But I mean, you know, when uh, we especially talk about whenever the Sonic they go movie, uh, after games that have literally no storyline to it, because The Sims. Okay, I, I should correct myself on this one. The Sims have kind of this meta storyline going on, but they're not touching that on this because, as far as I can remember, it's kind of this long-standing storyline with the goths in like the first three or so uh, uh, Sims games that you can kind of piece together if you really work it. But they're not touching this at all. This is the first time I've ever heard of this and I'm going to do a deep dive Google search later. Yeah, if I, about if I remember the correctly. The hidden story in the Sims. Uh, oh my god, that could be a conspiracy theory thing. Uh, the Goth family. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is a pretty long wick, uh, or, uh, uh, Sims fandom uh, article uh, going a deep dive on them. Basically, uh, it's this family that appears in the very first Sims game. And then you go through and uh, it's implied that uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, one of them faked their deaths. <laughs> And ran off with an alien, and they're in this other town now, trying to... Mm-hmm. Uh, so Interesting. So, they could do something with that, but no, it's... You know, literally, any uh, uh, rom-com 
But uh, they'll just put, uh, yeah, uh, the plumb bobs over everybody's heads, right? Yeah, I'm. I found a thing. It says thirty hidden details in the original Sims games. I mean, it was like at the top of the Google search, but I'll I'll go through that later and maybe tug on other threads. Yeah, but yeah, Sims. Yeah, the, yeah. There's this long thing with the goths. Uh, you're ready for a deep dive on this one, huh? Yep. It'll be good reading material tomorrow. Especially if or maybe tonight before I go to bed. Uh, especially if you've played several of the games, it's like, oh yeah, um, it doesn't look like they're in The Sims Four as well. So it looks like the uh, uh, the story continues as well. I've played The Sims Two and Three and Four, never the original Sims. Now, see, I played the originals uh, as uh, well as Two and Three, but I haven't played Four. Actually, I do have Four now. That I think about it. I think I think they gave it away at one point. But yeah, anyway, kind of off topic, but. And that's kind of our show. There are angles for a story in these games. Like, uh, yeah, SimCity, they could uh, be, you know, this upstart uh, mayor that you know, has the grand plans for this little town uh, to be- turn into a city, right? Oh, that could be interesting, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he finds, like, an, an an artifact or something that lets him just, like, construct. Because, I mean, they're going to... They're, all video games and movies do this. They're trying to find a way to put the game in the movie... And so you can find, like, a magic artifact or something that's, like... Or just have him uh, sitting there with, like, a model of the city. Like, oh, I can do this, this, and this. And, yet, and you're looking at it from, like, his view. And it lo- oh, yeah. And then you could see, like, a montage of it being built. Mm-hmm. That would work. Uh, of course, if we do uh, yeah, the latest city game, it's, like, this little tiny area. <laughs> Arbitrarily. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, SimCity. <laughs> Most recent... Whatever it was called. Uh, I believe it was uh, just, uh, it was SimCity, wasn't it? Maybe. Or was it like SimCities? Uh, I'm having to go no, double it check just, it. It was just SimCity. Yeah. You're right. Although there's SimCity Build It. That's probably a mobile game. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a mobile game. Yeah, because of course everything is a mobile game nowadays. And there's SimCity. Is that the original SimCity? Oh yeah, this is the original SimCity. Okay. So yeah, there's the original SimCity. And then there's... Modern Sim City that are both just called Sim City. Yeah, let's and then there's yeah, let's put it this way. Uh, EA hasn't touched the franchise since 2013, not counting the bubble game. Well, it's okay. We have our game club game coming up. That is right. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hint, hint, say no more, say no more, dude. Spoilers. Um, all right, our next news article for the night, Jeff Keighley unveils a four-month all-digital summer game fest starting in May. Yeah, so that's a thing, huh? I mean, it's not exactly a surprise to see, yeah, a, essentially a digital replacement for E3, but I'm not only what that feels like it's a bit much to run it for that long, right? I mean, maybe? Since it's all going to be online... Unless they're planning on, like, doing, like, regular shows or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see them doing just, like, a podcast sort of format. And every week you have, you know, a couple episodes or maybe even, like, daily. You have little, little, you know, episodes that are about specific things. And then games that you can check out, possibly playable demos. Well, it looks like uh, there's going to be certain days where certain events are going to happen, so... The first one's going to be May 7th inside Xbox, which will be the first uh, look at the Xbox Series X, which, oh, that's still such a fucking stupid name. Uh, she just call it the Xbox PC wannabe. 
That, that, that that's the original Xbox. <laughs> PC and an Xbox. That was that's the original. So basic. Okay, so May we have uh, the inside Xbox, and then May twelfth we have Sunrise Number One. Uh, join uh, Jeff Keighley uh, for a surprise game reveal. Woo! Then June Steam Game Festival Summer Edition, which is probably uh, coming up on the Steam Summer Sale. Cyberpunk 2077 on June 11th, uh, uh, but to be determined uh, when the time is. And then June 11th is EA Play. Then July, they have uh, TennoCon 2020 for uh, Warframe uh, has been uh, tacked onto this. And uh, Gamescom opening uh, uh, Night Live uh, in August. So that's everything that's on the calendar so far. Oh, hey, there's a fact. In, like, the third question. Uh, four months seems like a long time for an See, event. See, I didn't go to the fact. It says, there won't be events every day of <laughs> Summer Game Fest. Think of it like a summer concert series where there are dark days at a venue. Okay, I could give them that. Uh, still, you know, maybe it didn't need August, right? Well, he's also saying, you know, um, down here that events will be added to the schedule on a rolling basis as mm-hmm. they're announced. Once an event isn't announced, you can say, see it on the calendar and set a reminder. Well, maybe this. I mean, the fir- maybe a better way to look at this is instead of a. Uh, this is like a central hub for all the digital events that are going to be happening over the next four months. Instead of something that he's running, like the Game Awards. Yeah, which is probably a, would have been a better way to highlight this instead of like, yeah, we're going to be uh, uh, collaborating with all the other digital events. But we'll also be running our own instead of saying, yeah, we're going to be running this four month thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it technically, though, is not wrong if they're like serving as the hub mm-hmm. and sort of like, so like the MC at a big event, you know, I think that's maybe what, what this is supposed to be, like what Jeff Keeley is. He's probably going to have his own events as it goes along. Yeah. Well, I'll add it to my calendar so I can see stuff upcoming. Yeah. Same. I just. I just did. I mean, the first thing is is Thursday, technically tomorrow, because it's after midnight, so we're in Wednesday, but I haven't been to sleep yet, so. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the first thing is Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, so I don't know if I'll be able to watch that live, but. Uh, I'm sure we'll get the cliff notes and we'll cover it tomorrow, or, or not tomorrow, but next week. Yeah, so it'll be, uh, be interesting. I mean, there'll probably be some good stuff, there'll probably be some crap, but it's certainly interesting. And if it works out, I mean, this probably will be how it's done for the next decade or so, honestly. I mean, we've talked a little bit here and there about essentially how um, the pandemic has accelerated sort of the death of a lot of these industry practices in a lot of industries that were kind of going to be on their way out the door in the next 10 or 15 years anyways. Like, if this works, like an all-digital forum all digital well think about uh, it nintendo hasn't uh, messed with e3 in years yeah and and nintendo's doing just fine so yeah it is if this works out well this will probably be the staple sort of replacement quote unquote for e3 that will just be something like this where it's like all right we're gonna be running this thing for a few months every year where that each of the big developers or um uh, you know, industry publishers, leaders, etc., will will come in and do their thing, and then you know we'll move on to the next one, which I kind of like better. 
Yeah. You can you can get like overwhelmed in and news burnout from anything. Uh, especially E three. And E three, yeah. It's like drinking straight from a fire hose for three days or four days. And now you're making me think of UHF. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just Maybe this is a better way to do it just so that everybody gets the attention because E3, it is very easy to get lost in the shuffle. But what's going to be interesting is that they're talking about more playable stuff on Steam. So I guess that was a big success for them. That uh, one weekend where they released all the uh, demos from, oh shoot, what conference was that? That uh, got canceled pretty early on in all the lockdowns. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Where they had the we- so, the weekend of all the game demos that was going to be at a, 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 a conference. Yeah. Yeah, where we played several different yeah. games and talked about them. And, yeah. Yeah, I guess that was a big success if they're going to have more demos, alphas, and betas uh, coming out. Uh, and it looks like uh, Steam does have its own festival going on uh, in early June as well. So I guess we'll be playing more demos then, huh? Yeah. Which I look for- I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I, I liked it. I thought it was success. Yeah. Success. There we go. And I hope a lot of those publishers or developers, creators, got some mm-hmm. good publicity out of that. Yeah, I hope so as well because, yeah, there was some interesting stuff that I don't think I would have seen otherwise because, you know, it just, it was too niche. Yeah. Agreed. Um. Okay. Cool. So that does it for the official sort of news mm-hmm topics of the week um gonna move on over to community corner we have one this week uh we received an email from jim 3535 Mm -hmm. uh with a link to an article he wanted us to talk about so we are going to do that um and thankfully it's an article i love you jim but you send us things sometimes that are like listen to this 20 minute or one hour or two hour thing and then talk about it on the show and I'm not going to lie, most of the time we don't check the email until like right before we start recording. Yeah, so we're quickly running to try to uh, uh, catch it all. <laughs> yeah. But no, this is this is a, a nice, cute, interesting little article. A, a nice, what I felt like was a little happy, unless there's something that I missed when I read through it. I did not watch the accompanying video, so there could be something in there. But um, the, or A, Rogue One Rider launches a late night talk show inside of Animal Crossing, which is very cool. Um, yeah, we've uh, seen also, some uh, interesting, just, you know, have to make do uh, with uh, late night. And this is one that I haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, I honestly, like, would have never thought of this, how to do this, or how it would work, but... Um, but there it is, this right? This is a very, yeah, this is a very creative use of Animal Crossing and the way that you can, you know, you can create little environments. And they made like a little talk show, you know, late night talk show type of thing. It's got a couple of cameras sitting there for the effect and a little couch and a little desk. This is super duper cute. <laughs> and apparently this is one of screenwriter Gary Weta, um, <laughs> who is better known, I guess, for, um, uh, Book of Eli and uh, Rogue One, mm-hmm. the Star Wars Rogue One. But apparently, I mean, he's done other stuff too. Um, he's worked on video games. The article lists Duke Nukem Forever, Gears of War, Prey, and Telltale's Walking Dead Season 1 as stuff that he's wrote on. So, you know, he's been around um, games, 
as well as film. Um, but the first episode debuted Monday of this week. Um, it's an hour long. And essentially what he's doing is just um, recording, um, or, or not recording, but streaming. I guess he could be recording, too. I don't know if, if it was live. Did it say in there if it was live stream or if it was recorded? Uh, I didn't actually catch that. Uh, mm. uh, looks like it's, uh, well, it's uh, broadcast on Twitch, but that doesn't exactly mean anything because he just uh, could no, I, I think it's it. live. I think they're live because it's saying that they're, uh, it says after every episode will also be edited and posted to YouTube after the Twitch premiere. So I think that they're doing it live. Yeah. But so he's, he's streaming his gameplay, um, and just inviting in the other people to his game. I, I don't a hundred percent know how you do this in Animal Crossing. I haven't played any of the more recent ones. Um, I've played the older Animal Crossing games, but multiplayer didn't exist in those. I think it uses the friend code system. Yeah, I think it does. So he would probably, and Jim, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm kind of talking out my ass on this one. But I think that it uses the Nintendo friend code system. And you can set it up as, like, people who have these friend codes can actually come and interact with your world. Not just kind of visit your island and walk around. And it's having them come in and sit on the couch. And his character sits at the desk. And then they're just talking over some type of, of chat. I don't think it's said, but I mean, it could be literally anything. Skype, Discord, Zoom, whatever. And they're doing... The talk show, it's great. Yeah, and they, every so often they move their uh, character so it looks like they're you know, actually interacting. Or yeah, yeah. Or, or to give the, more of the effect, I guess I should say. Yeah, and they move the camera around. Um, it's actually it's uh, cool. the little bit of the highlight reel I saw. It was done really well. A lot better than what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Which uh, yeah, sounds like a back-end compliment. Which, okay, it is. But yo, know, I've been sitting and watching Trevor Noah... Uh, you know, <laughs> doing his stuff uh, from, you know, his bunker. We've uh, seen, you know, some just wackiness on the late night shows uh, trying to keep up with things while still remaining in quarantine. So, you know, why not? I'm surprised, you know, th- really thinking about it that we haven't seen something like this uh, bef- uh, sooner. Yeah. And there are, and, and Animal Crossing is this interesting game that so many people have. Now, like, I've seen all kinds of celebrity stuff, too. Um, celebrities posting their Animal Crossing stuff. Um, and, like, people that you wouldn't expect to play video games, like, based on either their age or the type of, like, I, mean, I, I guess this is kind of, in a way, like, profiling or whatever, but, like, the way that they look or whatever. Like, you just don't expect them to play games. It's like, hey, check out my Animal Crossing stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I liked you already, but I love you even more now. So this is probably something that a lot of guests would readily have at this point. Like, oh yeah, I play Animal Crossing, I'll come to your island. And I mean, honestly, I mean, they could, if they had to, fake it, I guess. But, you know, I'm going to believe that they're not doing that. But yeah, I actually am going to watch, sit down and watch. It's it's about an hour long, which is just over an hour. I might play this in the background and just see, like this week, like how it is. Um, You know, a full episode and then maybe like come back and report on it again next week. Like, oh yeah, I listened to... The first couple of full episodes, because, I mean, by the time, you know, next week, this the, the episodes are airing on Wednesday, so. So, um, there'll be a new one out before we uh, even get this one out. Yeah, so, go and listen to a couple of them, but I love this. It's, it's nice, like, I mean, we spent, like, 20 minutes before we started recording, and we've talked about it during recording, like, the world sucks. <laughs> and this is just a cute 
fun, happy little thing. Yeah, which we uh, you know need a cute little happy thing right now because, oh boy, right? Indeed. Indeed. Um, I don't know who Naomi Kyle is. His first guest, actor Naomi Kyle. Would it be actress? I don't think so. I think they use actor for... Like, actor is, like, the politically correct oh. distinction for all. What has Naomi Kyle starred in? No idea. Full filmography. Uh, the Good Game. It's a TV series. I don't know what that is. Mad Families. Dead Rising. Endgame. As in the shitty movie that was made about Dead Rising? Yes! <laughs> okay. Cool. Devil's Dolls, Callback, Not Another Apocalypse, Project Sarah. I have no idea. Other than an uncredited actor in Dead Rising Endgame, I have no idea what any of this stuff is. But hey, she's got more fame and notoriety than I do, so I'm not I'm not going to criticize her. Out loud. <laughs> right, I'm only going to silently judge her. And if you wish to send us uh, other things to silently judge, or out loud judge, you could do so at at gmail.com. Or just tweet them to us at VGL Podcast on the Twitter. And thank you, Jim, for uh, a nice little light thing. I guess that off-puts what you put in the Discord. (laughs) And if you know what that is, head on over to our Discord. So do we want to knock out a quick discovery queue? Because I got a good one to start off with. Sure. Yeah, just make your... Real quick. Okay. Right quick, fast. I I mean, I have to do this one because my name is on it. Streets of Rage 4. <laughs> right? Nice. Uh, and Dibbly do Discovery Cube music. Uh, so, Streets of Rage 4 is the long awaited sequel to, well, Streets of Rage 3, which Genesis era, so tw- actually closer to 30 years now uh, in the making. From everything I've heard, it's essentially more Streets of Rage, which could be either a good or a bad thing, depending on. You know, how you feel about the old games, but a bit of an updated art style, a little bit more of a kind of a modern uh, uh, cinematic uh, or modern, like almost cell shading to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't played it yet. It's on Game Pass, but I definitely want to try it out at some point. Maybe uh, get some multiplayer going on. Who knows? I got Streets of Rage 4 as my first game on my yeah, list my, ne- well. my next one was a uh, uh, English not supported, so... Mm. I got one that... I got... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Lumberjack Dynasty. <laughs> a, unite, a unique life simulation where you are a lumberjack building up a business and founding a lasting dynasty for generations to come. And I mean, this just looks like one of those simulation games. It's like whatever simulator and you cut down trees and you drive equipment and you cut up trees. You drive a, a tractor. You load logs. Like that sort of thing. Uh, well, I got train station renovation. This is essentially house flipper, only you're renovating a train station. Uh, I think your kid that would love this. Familiar. That sounds familiar. I'm not sure if you've uh, hit this recently or not. Oh, no, I haven't. Okay. I mean, it's not by the same company, so as far as I can tell. But it actually doesn't look terrible. I mean, it's essentially you're going through and rebuilding train stations. Or at least a train stations in early access. So I'm not sure if there's going to be more than one or how they're actually going to handle it. 
but uh, the renovation pack uh, does have house flipper in it. So, is it the same publisher? Uh, no. Uh, well, it's uh, the same secondary publisher. So, <clears throat> so maybe it's a publisher pack. But yeah, you know, could be interesting, or it could just be a you know, a shitty Twitch game. One of the two. Could be. I've gotten several no English games, um, and then. Uh, well, I got. Or got another one, or no? Well, I got another what building simulator, Landlord Super. Uh, your quintessential okay. construction simulator is here. Take a dodgy loan, restore a property, move in the locals, attend to their grievances, then celebrate with a pint in this fully simulated open world 1980s Britain. This sounds amazing if it works out, and it has some actually good reviews on it because it. <sighs> It's kind of taking the idea of House Flipper and that sort of thing and taking it to its logical next step of going for Landlord Simulator, having to deal with uh, shitty tenants. But they're adding <laughs> some sort of open world RPG in, uh, aspects into it as well. Interesting, if it works out. Uh, publisher of the Yogg's Cast, oh boy. That, that could, that's, that's a, a, a good uh, sign of quality right there. That's, that's a big red flag right there. Yeah, that's a big red flag. I didn't see that at first. Um, alright, I got one called Close to the Sun. Deep in international waters, Tesla's Helios stands still, an unbound utopia for scientific research. Rose Archer, that's you, steps aboard in search of her sister, quickly... To discover not all is as it seems. That's a run-on sentence. A single word covers the entrance. Quarantine. Uh, that's hitting a little close to home. This has a very Bioshock feel to it. I mean, original Bioshock. Yeah, I didn't... It looks like that it's being tagged as a horror game. I didn't get that at first. I thought kind of Bioshocky adventure-esque. Um, but it, it, it is tagged as horror, so... Probably not for me then. But it, it looks neat. Well, I had Lumberjack's Dynasty, so I had to skip that. So I gotta keep Magical Girl instead. Yay! So, Tyru Mechanical Scrollery? Uh, a 3D bullet hell um, uh, mid-air hunting action game based on the Tyru Project. I mean, it has very mixed reviews, uh, but 3D bullet hell is interesting. It doesn't look amazing, but uh, it's something that's not building simulator so right right oh hey i got train station renovation as well um but i guess i'll i'll go past that yeah i've had like three and landlord super geez <laughs> so i've had three that you've had three that were english only and two mobile garbage like clicker titles well, i got oh i got one that's uh like uh, it's from your queue because there's a massive dick right there. Aw, oh, yeah, big dicks. And I got one where the breasts are exposed for our pleasure. Oh, there's, uh, the titties are out as well. Yep, uh, um, this is another one that I'm not gonna put the, just to be on the safe side, I'm not gonna put a link to. It's called Wish. It's a match three puzzle game with, with, those are outrageously large breasts. Like, way too big, even for me. Well, I had two essentially porn games, and one was looked like it was built on an RPG maker. What's this? Okay, so now this looks interesting. Where were you going to talk about something uh, no. before I? Okay, Win- Wintermore 
tactics. War. M-O-O-R. Um, Wintermore Tactics Club. A story about surviving high school with gameplay inspired by tactics, RPG, and visual novels. But it feels like a bit of a tactical turn-based RPG based on your high school battle anime or manga. I mean, they're going with, they say visual novels. That might be something that's more, I don't know, more well-known in certain circles. I feel like there's a pretty big overlap between people who know what anime and manga are that also play video games, but I don't know. Maybe there is something they're going for specifically with visual novels that don't apply in those situations. But either way, I like that's a, the looks that's of That's a this. very interesting looking one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I've seen this one before. This is another one of those VR... Yeah, I hit the end of my queue. I had uh, several that were just trash. Yeah, I got uh, one of the whole VR girlfriend simulator things. And it's like, oh, yep, tits are exposed in that one as well. But they're not really for our pleasure. They just look weird. I mean, not that weird tits can't be attractive, but not not like that. Hmm. Winter more Tactics Club. That's the, the smallest queue you've had in a long time. Well, I hit... Several that were just, yeah. Well, that really was a speedy queue then. I had three and you had four. Yeah. Well, it's going to be easy to put together the show notes at least. Indeed. So rage, hit him with the socials. Well, I've been caffeine rage. Maybe someday you'll find me on YouTube again. Uh, Gaming with caffeine rage. Find me on Twitter, gaming with cr. Or you can be my friend on Steam, caffeine rage over there as well. And you've been. Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. Or you can be my friend on Steam by sending a friend request to JArthur4707. And if you're Whistlem, know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from. The password for this week is Rosebud. <laughs> Rosebud. <laughs> nice. I had to go for the famous one, you know? Yep. It was his sled. People, though, it was his sled. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched all of Citizen Kane. I've seen it's, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but never watched the entire thing. From a modern perspective, it's not all that great. But when you take it in as like how it was at the time and how it did so many things new and different and unique, I, I know. Uh, like it, I know uh, it, they did a lot of thing with a lot of uh, toying with camera angles as well. That broke yeah. the mold for a lot of the films of the day. Yeah. With with just, I think I've talked about this before at some point, but with, I mean, with like a modern perspective, it doesn't really hold up. But if you're able to think about it in the context of where it was at for its time, it's, I mean, it, it's a masterpiece, so. Yeah. But then again, we could look at a lot of things that you consider masterpieces nowadays because they've been iterated on so many times or bits and pieces have been taken away and it's become commonplace, they really don't hold up because more things have done it better since, but just not really fair to consider it. Yeah. Sort of like, uh, well, the big one I could think of is playing through Half-Life 2. It's like, oh, it's the uh, seesaw puzzle again. Well, we're looking at that 20 years ago, and yeah, physics uh, in video games isn't exactly surprising nowadays, but back then it was, holy shit right yeah real physics wow Not- and i was bitching the other day about how that uh the division two doesn't have great physics on objects 
Yeah, but then But you, probably by two thousand four standards they would be great physics. Yeah, but then you look at you know uh Far Cry where you're able to shoot down uh trees, right? Yeah. And think, wow, shame we didn't uh, progress down that path, right? We decided to go, yeah, super high fidelity, right? Yeah. Fuck creativity. Well, uh, if you insist. I accidentally closed out the show notes, so I need to reopen that to be able to finish off things. Because I don't have that uh, memorized, because of course I don't, right? <laughs> well, once again, you could uh, reach, you, reach us at VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just like Jim did, or just tweet them to us at VGLpodcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have uh, made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGLpodcast. And our lovely patrons have provided us with our Podbean. VGLpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the RSS feed, show notes, links to all our stuff online. Or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our Discovery Cube music is doobly doo, both by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at Incomputech.com, and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.